together, together. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, Lord. I worship you, thou God of gods and King of kings. Allow us, God, to do your most holy will. We give you praise and glory and honor in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, we're working on gain your soul by losing the world. You may be seated. This should be page two of your lesson from last week. If anybody doesn't have that, then we'll send the right signal to the right person and get you one. Okay? But uh, we have extra study sheets, and I'm sure we have some extra binders around somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. We're glad you're here. Appreciate each and every one of you being in God's house this morning. And our God is a great and wonderful God. Amen. All right. I'm going to re review or do a quick capsulization of uh, what we did last week real quick. Just move along and bring you right to what we have today. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. So we began with Genesis 2 and 7 on page 1 of the lesson from last week, which would be dated Sunday, December 6th. And uh, man became a living soul. We talked to you about that you have a soul, okay? Not going to go into a lengthy explanation like we did last week. Going to have to move along here. But what we're dealing with here is that you have a soul to gain, okay? You have a soul to gain. You don't want to lose your soul. You have a soul that can be gained or it can be lost. The choice is yours because God made it your choice because he made a way for you to gain your soul or to save, for your soul to be saved. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 was an explanation that we are, as an individual, we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. And then Psalm 120 and 2 where the deliver, which means save, deliver or save my soul, O Lord, from. And this we tied with Matthew 121 for you, where it said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save or deliver his people from sins, from their sins. And then Matthew 16, we had in verse 26 two parts, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? And then the next portion said, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If you had everything and got everything and completely ignored the status of your soul and then thereby wound up lost for all of eternity, then the, the question is being asked, what, what does it profit you? There's no gain in that. There's no profit in that. Uh, this life down here is a short season, whereas eternity is without end. There is no time. It is without end. So, and then, of course, what would a man or a person give in exchange for his soul? Well, there's nothing you can give. What was given was the lamb on the cross and the blood of the lamb that was shed. That's what can be given for a soul, and that's the only thing, all right? So there's nothing you could pull out of your attic or uh, your safety deposit box or any place else where you might want to try to put what you consider to be a treasure, and I could give this, not so. God does not deal in the currency that mankind deals in, all right? So you'd find yourself 
uh, quite lost. Mark, the next verse says Luke, but it should say Mark. So if you want to uh, make a note there, Mark 8 and 38, we had a little typo. So it's Mark 8 and 38. And I'm glad we have sharp people in the congregation. Don't know how many pulled that up to our attention. But it was way over in the morning when the secretary, that would be Monsignor Sitfeld, was typing away. <laughs> so Mark 8.38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words. So you've got to come to a place where you're determined that you're not going to be ashamed of what the teachings are of the Bible, what Jesus has given to the church and to people who would become a part of the church or the body of Christ. So you've got to make sure that you're not ashamed. There are people, as time goes on, are becoming very ashamed of God's Word, and they're casting it aside. They're kicking it to the curb, putting it under the bus. Uh, they don't want to believe that that's relevant anymore, and that's not necessary anymore. And You're giving things a bad light. Well, the Word of God is the light. And it's not a bad light. If you believe it by subject matter, then everything is just fine. It's when people begin to become ashamed. And there are people that have had this truth and had this message and even preached it, believed it, and taught it only to turn their back on it because they became ashamed of it. All right? So let's not be ashamed of Jesus or of His words. Luke 12 and 19, And I will say to my soul, all right? Remember, your soul is your life. It's going to spend eternity somewhere, hopefully upwardly in heaven, and not in the downward mode in the place called hell. Luke 12 and 20, but God said unto him, well, what happened was he got to talking to his soul and to his life and, and reflecting and then planning, and I'm going to tear down my barn, I'm going to build a bigger barn. And in so saying these things and having these worldly ideas, being filled with, with the world and the ideas of the world and the God, small g, of this world, inspiring him that his life would consist or his soul would consist of the abundance of the things that he could possess. So I'll tear down my barn and I'll build a bigger barn and I'll get more things. Well, that's where the Lord spoke and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. So please keep in mind that... Uh, well, Jesus said that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that he possesses. And so don't go to bed with the gimmies and wake up with the wants, okay? You live for God and get your mind on what's really important. And you do, you're going to gain your soul when you lose the world, when you sell out to the world, when you're not interested. Who cares what the world is doing? I had a man that I called for business um, purpose for the church um, Friday night I called his house and I got the machine and in the machine he said that uh, he was gone to the ball game and leave your message and I'll get back with you so I said well calling from the apostolic church youth service tonight Friday at 730 and we'd like you to know that you know we need thus and so so boy he called me back the next day and he was very embarrassed I could tell but hey what can I say you know, you can get involved whatever you want to get involved with, but just remember, when it comes down to it, you're either going to gain your soul or lose your soul. You're either going to be ashamed of Jesus or not. You're either going to be on the right side or the wrong side. It depends what you're investing in. 
And if you're going to invest in what this world is doing, the devil is going to keep you, the God of this world, if you please, is going to blind your mind and keep you very, very busy about many, many things. And you're going to miss out on the most important thing. Blessed are they that are doing the will of the Lord when He comes. You want to be about your Father's business, okay? Not about the business of this world that pertains to you filling your life and getting, I think we gave the example of the, uh, the camel that couldn't get through the gate into Jerusalem because there was so much baggage. Even though he, he, they had him to kneel down and scoot through, he couldn't make it because it was just too much baggage there. Well, you can get your life piled down with so many things that you just can't get, never can get to that place to where you get your mind on God and get the experience and get so excited and saved, get your soul saved and delivered from sin and get so excited about the right thing, and that's Jesus Christ, that uh, people are going to be so involved in the other thing that they can never seem to get out of that, that uh, cycle of this life and get what they need, what their soul needs, and get on the plus side of the spiritual column. So remember, that's why Luke said in 12:21, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God, just rich in the world. But God hath chosen some that are poor in this world. You want to be poor in spirit and poor in this world, and you want to be rich in faith and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right, 1 Peter 2 and 11. Let me tell you something. There wouldn't be the works that are going on across not just the nation but around the world if it hadn't have been for men and women and their families, their children who sold out to the world and gave themselves to Jesus Christ, there wouldn't be church houses. There wouldn't be harvests that would have been reaped. There wouldn't be the establishing of the work of God throughout the earth and going to every country before He comes. That doesn't come from people that are just part-timers and they got a little bit of themselves interested, and then the other side has got one foot, you know, hokey pokey, one foot with God and one foot with the world. Let me tell you, they wind up with both feet out is what happens. you got to get somebody that's going to get in the church, get in the Spirit, get involved with the work of God, the body of Christ, and the will of the Spirit, and be about His business. All right, 1 Peter 2 and 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you, teaching to the church, teaching to people that are in the body of Christ, teaching to people that have gained their soul by selling out or losing the world. He, he said, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You better realize what kind of battle takes place, and it's not only before you get into church, but it's every, every bit of it after you get into church because then you're really in the crosshairs of the enemy's scope and he sees that you've escaped his trap and escaped his thinking and you're no longer bound by him. You're no longer uh, interested in what he's doing and what he's promoting. And he knows that he's lost you. So he really makes you a target then. And he really wants to get you to turn your back on truth that you have in your heart. And he's trying to explain to you here in teaching to the church that you're just a stranger in this world. You're just a pilgrim. You're passing through. You're headed to a much better place. That's why we have no continuing city here. We know we're not here. We're in the world to come. Our citizenship and our city is in the world to come. And everybody said amen.
2 Peter 2 and 8, For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. An example of somebody that's called to truth, somebody that has the light and the insight only to go away from the church, go away from Father Abraham, go away from the things that are right and begin to head in the wrong directions, begin to go and chase after the wrong things and even got so confused in his mind that he thought that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah looked like the garden of God. How messed up a mind can become. And so in going down and involving himself in all the things that were going on down in Sodom and Gomorrah, it vexed or irritated his righteous soul because of all the things that were going on around him. It became a temptation to him, became a battle to him and to his family. Everybody said amen. And so that's your example there. Now, Revelation 18 and 14 on page 2, the very beginning. Revelation 18 and 14, okay? Here you have the, the Spirit of the Lord is uh, dealing with the church through John the Revelator, giving insights to things. And in so doing, he gives us verse 14, And the fruits that thy soul, thy soul, your life lusted after, are departed from thee, and are things, and all things which were dainty and goodly, that is, according to the flesh, are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Everybody said, Hallelujah. All right. So, everybody, give the girls a big hand. They're so pretty. We're glad they're in the church and getting trained to be in the church. Thank God. I heard a guy say, uh, before he sang a song, he said, to all the godly ladies out there, and I had all ideas there wasn't any godly ladies out at his concert. Not at all. Not at all. But you know what? We're going to train them here. We're going to teach them, boys and girls, young people. We're going to teach them what the Bible teaches about godliness. Okay? All right. But anyway, here we have Revelation 18 and 14. And what you want to see on the heels of we've given to you from the Bible, the man's going to tear down his barn and stuff it with more things. We've got an individual that's looking in the wrong direction, traveling in the wrong direction, and begins to live among these people that have the wrong ideas until his any righteousness he had in his life is now vexed and being turned upside down, and he's being pulled away and his family pulled away. And now you're looking at people here that are depicted by the Spirit as being people who are giving their soul over, their life over, to all the different things that the world has to offer. And they're gorging on that. They're excited about that. They're chasing after that. But now the Spirit is saying, Oh, friend, there's a time coming, and it's closer to us than it's been to anybody else. And he's saying, The fruits that thy soul lusted after, that strong desire, you just had to have that and those things. He said, These things are departed from thee. Not going to have them anymore. Not going to be able to have them anymore. Well, doesn't this remind you of the individual that lifted up his eyes in hell being in torment and it was told him oh in thy lifetime you had all those things but now those things are departed and you're where you're at because you chose that and uh, the one you're calling for in heaven well he's not coming where you're at even if he could he wouldn't want to and he's not going to bring you a little drop of water from the end of his finger dipped in water not going to happen 
And I'm telling, and then the burden, oh, go back and tell my family not to come here. See, that's what the church is for. That's what the Bible's for. That's what the witnessing is for. That's what these services are for. So that you can be made alert and aware of what is going to take place. And now is your opportunity to become and join ranks with those that are dearly beloved, those that are strangers and pilgrims to this world. And they're looking to the world to come. He's telling them the time will come when everything the people have lived for and desired is going to be gone, going to depart and be no more at all. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, talking to you about gaining your soul and for all eternity and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. God is not an ogre. And the writer said, Paul said, you know, of whom I am chief. So Paul stood himself up as an example. Ain't nobody done it worse than I've done it, he was saying. And he's saying, but it's, it's, a, it's a faithful saying. And it's worthy of you accepting it, of everybody believing this. He said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He came to pull you out of the fire. He came to straighten out your heart and your thinking so that you wouldn't be deceived any longer by the enemy and that you would no longer chase after things that are of no value and no profit whatsoever. Okay, everybody said praise the Lord. Luke 9 and 56, For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives or souls, but to save them. He is not an ogre or a juggernaut of some kind. He hasn't come to condemn you and to run over you and to tell you this is wrong and that is wrong. People want to always depict it that way. But let me tell you something. Jesus Christ would much rather dwell on the positive side. If you can begin to believe on Him as the Scripture has said, you're not going to have to catch any beat down here or in the world to come. You can yield yourself to the Spirit of the Lord and He's going to give you all the good things, not only here but in the world to come is what your Bible teaches. Hebrews 10 and 38, But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. In other words, if you read the next one, verse 39, But we, the church, the body of Christ, people just like you that have come out of darkness into his marvelous light, people who have said, forget the world, I'm sick of the world, I'm sick of doing it that way and being a part of that. I'm not going to live on that treadmill anymore. People then have come out of darkness and they're not of them who draw back unto perdition, you know, that's like damnation in eternity, okay? But of them that believe to the saving of the soul, okay? I'm talking to you about gaining your soul. You don't want to fumble that soul. You don't want to let it slip through your, your life, your fingers, you, if you please, and, and be gone in the wrong place for all of eternity. Go out and that last breath has gone out of your body and you didn't do what you should have done. And deep in your heart, you know you ought to do it. But oh, brother, procrastination comes around. And you put it off and you put one more party, one more club, one more drink. Well, I saw a man in a parking lot say just one more cigarette and that's it. Well, that didn't last nothing. He puffed it down and stumped it out, went to the church house and nothing didn't happen for him. And he didn't live for God. You can't play games with God like that. You've got to mean what you're saying. You've got to really be convicted in your heart and say this is the wrong way to live and I'm sick and tired of it and I need help. And then he's there to help you. Not there to beat you down. 
He doesn't kick somebody when they're down. So if anybody draws back, though, he said, well, my soul, God said, my soul, my life, has no pleasure in, in that individual. But he said, but we are not, the writer said, of them that draw back unto perdition. We're not of that kind of group. That's not how we think. That's not the experience we've gotten, okay, and has changed our lives. But, uh, but we're of them. You need, you need to know who you're of. You need to identify with the right thing here. You need to identify with Jesus. You need to identify with his church. You need to love his word and, and what he stands for. And there are things that we're going to do and we do continue to do. Uh, we do it for his namesake. And we, we, we are going to stand against reproach and criticism and people looking at you funny or saying something derogatory to you, putting you down. Uh, it doesn't matter because we know who we're of and we know what we have and we know we're just passing through. And this life is just for a little season, just a little while. And then the real life will begin, okay? So remember that we know who we're of. We're of them that were in the upper room. We're of them that were baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. We're the, of them that were baptized in water by full immersion in the name of Jesus Christ and all our sins were washed away. We're of them that were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And we're of them that continue to worship Him and praise Him in the Spirit and magnify Him. We're of them that have been called out of darkness and we've been cleaned up and we're not some old dirty nasty sow wallowing around in the mud. And we're not some nasty dog that goes around and vomits and reads its vomit. We're not, we've been delivered from all of that trash. We're not going back to sin. We don't want anything to do with sin. We don't want anything to do with the lifestyle of the world. We know who we're of. We're of Peter, James, and John, and Mary, the mother of the flesh, and the about 120 in that upper room, and all those that have marched on, a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible said, that surround us, and that's what we want to be surrounded with. We want to be surrounded with people that love God. And everybody said amen. Hebrews 6, 19, we have, the Bible said, an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. You want to remember that when you get this experience that Jesus becomes your anchor. You're not to go in and out of the church. You know, I'm not talking about the church house now. I'm talking about the body of Christ. You don't go in and out of the church. You're not one step with him and two steps without him. We're not that kind of people. We have an anchor here for our soul. It's going to keep us from drifting. It's going to put us down there, what the Bible say, uh, rooted and grounded and settled. That's what he's trying to say. You have an anchor for your soul. You do not have to lose your soul. You can gain your soul. You can gain your life. And the truth of the matter is, if you want to gain your soul or your life, you have to, in one sense of the word, lose your life, meaning you have to lose the world. You've got to lose that. You gotta, somebody said lose it. Well, you've got to lose it. You've got to lose that kind of lifestyle. You've got to lose that kind of way of living. And you've got to gain the life in Christ Jesus. You've got to put your soul into the body of Christ, the work of the Lord. And everybody said amen. amen. So we have an anchor here. We have an anchor. We're not going to be drifting from service to service, you know. And uh, we're not going to be talking to you uh, about the Lord chapter and verse and then go down the road and be cussing our heads off to somebody else. That's not the anchor. We're anchored to the rock. We're anchored to the truth. We're anchored to the message. We're anchored to the experience. We have truly been and you will be delivered from the nastiness of this world. Okay? So we have an anchor. And it's sure. And it's steadfast. And those are words that are used in other references meaning and 
subject mattering the same thing. Uh, the, we have a foundation that is sure and steadfast, okay? And so you want to stay with what's got a, a, a stability to it. We're living in an unstable time, in an unstable world. But you can have an anchor. You can have stability, okay? The stock market may go up and down. Economies all over the world may go every which way. But you get in the body of Christ, you get in the church, and you've got your feet on a solid rock. You've been led to the rock that's higher than you are. And everybody said praise the Lord. And when you get the feeling that enemy wants to come along and he wants to make you feel big and all puffed up and all this and all that, you just remember that you're led to the rock that's higher than you are. This is bigger than one individual or any group of individuals, if you please. You want to remember who you are. Yes, I'm a child of God, but just remember you're in the body of Christ and it's bigger than you can imagine and God is way bigger than anything beyond that. All right. Verse 1 uh, Peter 1 and 9, receiving the end of your faith. There will be an end to this. Remember, he counts his worthies, and then he's going to recount his worthies. So you don't want, that's what I said, you want this anchor. You don't want to be here for a month or a year or 10 years even, and just for some season, and then you're gone, and you wash out because he's going to recount. And you want to be there at the end of this thing, and that's why the writer said, receiving the end of of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And if you need me to put that in perspective, when you get baptized in Jesus' name and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you are saved from sin, okay? But just remember, there's a life to live, and there's many traps and many pits and many temptations and many enemies that are going to come against somebody that's bearing their cross through the city and going on for God. And so you've got to stay with it. You've got to have that anchor because there's going to come a time when you want to be saved out of all of these things and this world that we're living in. We're not of the world, but we are in the world. All right. 1 Peter 1.22, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. There is a purification process that takes place when you begin to repent of your sins and you get baptized in Jesus' name for the remission, the full pardon, the forgiveness, and the washing away and the sending away of all of your sins. And then you receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost. You begin to speak with other tongues or language as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Okay? There's a purification. Your life starts purifying. Uh, I'm sure that you have some have Everybody drinks some kind of water, and to some degree, water is purified, even in the city. Okay. Some process. Sometimes we look, we wish that it was a little bit better process, and I, I'm believing they're working on it. But the point is, and of course, you can buy a little thing to put under your sink, they tell me, and that will have charcoal in it, I guess, and somehow charcoal is going to do the job and purify your water, or you can buy bottled purified water. Point is, there is a purification process that is taking place. And so it is when you begin to repent of your sins and you get the Holy Ghost, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get the Holy Ghost, there's a purifying process that's taking place and, and, and all that garbage is coming out of your system, okay? If you take a bucket and it's got a lot of filth in it, a lot of trash, and you stick a hose in it with good clean water and you run it until the, the bucket starts to run over, after a while it's going to flush out all of the trash that's down in the bottom of that, uh, that bucket. Well, that's what God does for our hearts, okay? When, we, when you repent of your sin, you tell God, I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm, I don't want to be the way I've been being, and I'm, I'm going to turn my back on all that. I'm going to turn towards you. You make that good repentance, and you cut off. 
Remember, if you're doing something, you have to cut it off. That's what repentance is, the things that you're doing, the things that you're believing, things you're chasing, things you're following. You cut those things off. You don't do those things anymore with God's help and God's grace. And then we will baptize you in water, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission, meaning the full pardon of all of your sins. And those sins are sent away, flushed out, sent away, and remembered no more. Okay, and you get a full pardon. That's what remission is, a full pardon of your sins. What a clean slate you have. And then God will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You'll begin to speak with other tongues as you're believing in your heart. You'll start confessing with your mouth in another language as the Spirit gives you the utterance. There are no contradictions in the Bible, church family. There's teaching to the church to people who've already got it. Okay? And that's what he was doing there. And as they begin to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, confess from their heart, uh, then that's what takes place. You begin to speak in another language as His Spirit. He's in control. You've given everything over to Him. You're gaining your soul because you're selling out everything. And it's not you anymore. It's not you fighting against God, but you're yielding to God to the point that He takes control of your heart and of the most unruly member of your body, your tongue. And He speaks through you. And you can't do that on your own. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Not in the Spirit, anyway. The Holy Spirit. All right. A lot of folks go around. They, uh, they do a lot of things in their human spirit. And, it, and you need to learn the difference. Okay? But one of the differences is that there will be a purifying. First Peter 1.22. Seeing ye have, and he's telling them past tense, talking to the church, you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. And the truth is not just Acts 2.38. That's the birth. That's coming in. The truth is your whole Bible, the Spirit of the Lord. It's not just one part of it or one phase of it. And believe me, it's not enough to be saved. You've got to stay saved. And then you need to get about your father's business about saving others, delivering others, witnessing to others. Everybody said, praise the Lord. So you let this purification process take place, and you won't go the places that you used to go and you won't do the things that you used to do. Okay, I was at a, a meeting one day, and um, there was a lot of us there and, uh, involved with the county and everything. And, and uh, when they got to my case, I was about the third one down the, the, the docket there, and our case was the church case, and going over the, uh, what they were going to do to provide for the church what it's supposed to get to fulfill the code. And so um, when they got done... There was one of our sisters in the Lord that was in the meeting and uh, working for that particular group. And so, uh, and they said, well, um, you can go now. We're going to dismiss you ladies and said, um, and we'll tell them all the stories. And the one said, you watch what stories you tell. That's my senior pastor here. Y'all ain't got no other one here, but I got a senior pastor here. You watch what those stories are. Well, you don't want nobody saying junk because your life has changed. Maybe you were like that five or ten years ago, but you're not like that anymore. And you purified, and they know that because you dress different, you look different, you act different, you speak differently, your spirit is different. It's a Holy Spirit now. It, you're being led by God's Spirit, and, and your language is cleaned up because your mind is cleaned up, and you don't tell dirty jokes, and you don't listen to dirty jokes. You don't involve yourself. In, oh, but you used to. That's right. I used to. That's exactly right. I'm an ex-sinner. Now I'm in the church. I'm in the body of Christ. 
My life has been changed. There's a purifying going on every day of my life. When I pray, I'm purified. When I worship, there's a purifying. When I sing, there's a purifying. He's working in my life every day. And he knows how to meet me and stop me from doing the wrong thing. Keep me from going in the wrong path and from being deceived or tricked by the enemy. That's why you want to put on the whole armor of God. That you can uh, escape the wiles or the tricks of the enemy. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise All right, we're finishing up here. First Peter 3 and 20. And um, if you have a Bible and you want to look, because this verse is a very important verse and it's a little involved. First Peter 3 and 20. And once again, teaching to the church about things that have taken place and what we have, <clears throat> but I'm going to uh, begin with verse 20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was uh, preparing or in preparation, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water delivered, by water souls were delivered by water. How important is water baptism? Some people want to, uh, again, kicking under the bus or to the curb. They just want to belittle it. They want to downplay it. They want to say it's easier to get saved and there's more requirement to get in the local membership. You know, you get saved by shaking the hand and saying, me too. Okay? But if you want to be in our congregation, now you don't have to get baptized. Can you imagine that they make it more requirement to be a part of something that man has going on than what God has going on? Let's stay with chapter and verse Let's stay with the Word of God. It, they were saved by water. Water has its place and its part in here because it's, it's connected with water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ because the blood is in that name. It's your faith in His name that's going to give you remission of your sins because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. So you want to... Uh, get it right here. These were souls, and they got delivered by water, meaning meaning that they were on the ark, getting on the ark. The ark was prepared, and here comes the rain. And the, the flood waters went all the way up, and the ark lifted up. They were on one ark, the church. They got there through one door, and they all had the same name, and their name was Noah. His name is Jesus, okay? It was a shadowing type to show you. One family, that's the church family internationally, and one body, in other words. And there was one name, and that name above every name, and neither is there salvation in any other name, is Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. amen. All right, 1 Peter 4 and 19. <clears throat> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. Okay, you're trying to gain your soul here, and you want to keep your soul in the right status with God. So you want to remember here that the writer is telling you there's going to be some suffering. Everything's not going to be the wind to your back. There is going to be an opposition, but I believe if you believe the Bible, it tells you that the gates of hell shall not prevail. Okay, there's going to be, you're foretold, there's going to be opposition. 
The enemy is going to get up in your grill. He's going to get in your face. He's going to try every which way he can. He's going to try to deceive your mind. He's going to send all kinds of different people around in an attempt to trip you up and to confuse your mind. You come back to your experience that you need to get and tell yourself, I have gained my soul because I've repented. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. I've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm in the body of Christ. And I'm going to keep on every day committing the keeping of my life to Him. As a faithful creator, I'm not going to throw him away or send him over the curb or the bus or whatever. I'm going to stay with him. I'm going to stay with truth. And everybody said amen. You want, you know, to keep your soul is to guard and protect it. That's what that means. Revelation 6 and 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, okay, Revelation 6 and 9. When he had opened the, I'm sorry, when he had opened the fifth seal, to get ready for that last verse. And when he had opened the fifth seal, he said, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. John was given a glimpse of the lives that had been delivered from this the spirit of this world and that were under an altar. And the, if you read it, you will read that the spirit of the Lord said, rest a little while, white robes were given to them. Rest a little while until certain things take place, okay? So you want to understand that your soul can wind up in the right place and it's not going to wind up there by accident, okay? So you're going to have to be in this and, and be committed to this and give yourself to Jesus on a daily basis. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4 reads like this, And I saw thrones. And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped. They had not worshipped the beast. Well, if you're going to not worship him, you're going to have to have the opportunity then to worship him. You're going to have to be able to say no, like the three Hebrew children. They said no. So the, he saw them that did not worship the beast, neither his image neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Okay? So you want your soul to be in the right place in these all during your life and especially in the, in the moments to come. And you want to tell yourself that I want to gain my soul. I can lose everything else, but I cannot lose my soul. I cannot allow that to take place. So I'm not going to let tradition cheat me. I'm not going to let people cheat me. I'm not going to let the enemy, the devil, rise up through all kinds of people or the beast, which is a system, okay? And I'm not going to go along with that system. I'm not going to do things their way. And I'm telling you, it's going to come down to the church, the body of Christ that is alive and operating on the top side of God's green earth in that moment. It's going to take them to say no and to do without. They're going to check out. I'm out of your system. Your system's going this way. What did Jesus say? And they tried to trick him and tempt him. And he said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And you render unto God the things that are God's. And when you find that they cross or Caesar's going a completely different way and trying to influence the church in a negative way, he said, you stay with the church. And you let old Mr. Caesar and the government, in other words, of the world, the systems of the world, go their way. 
But you stay with chapter and verse. If it's going to contradict chapter and verse, we're going to choose Jesus every time. And everybody said amen. amen. And I'm telling you, there's going to be people that are going to be saying, oh, that's not what that meant. That's not what this means. God don't want you to have to do that. You know, there's going to be all that kind of junk. And them same people are going to be listening to that same lie when they're descending down into the not just the pit, but the sides of the pit. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Got to figure it out that the sides of the pit are a little hotter. All right? But there are people that are going to be taken in by that line and by that train of thought. You stay with Jesus. You stay with his word. Let's stand together. Everybody said, praise the Lord. All right. We're glad you're here this morning. We're going to sing and worship the Lord. We love and appreciate each and every one of you, and I hope that you are gaining some knowledge and insight to the scriptures and you'll notice you only get scriptures we're not involved with theory and commentary here or tradition of men let's take a moment lift our hearts with our hands shall we together father god we love you we praise you we worship you and we need you give us the great touch of your hand mighty power of the holy ghost on now let's worship him take a moment come on now I praise you Lord I don't want to lose my soul Father God I'm clean in your hands I'm gonna say that way through all life demands Cause they chip and they nag and they pull at me Whatever little thing I make up my mind to be I'm me a daddy who's in the mix And I'm be a husband that stays legit And I'm praying I'm an artist that rise above The road that's wide and filled with self-love Everything that I see draws me But it's only in you that I can truly see That's the feast for the eyes and no blow the purpose I'm a little kid at a three-way circus I don't wanna gain the whole world
So 